0: Rips one into the night, deep into right, way up. Moves to the right, it goes directly to Clement, Clement reverses it, and the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick Foles. It's a touchdown, he, he goes! Keith Prito is able to win it, and the Flyers win and the, the touchdown. Can he get it off? Yes! And the Sixers win it!
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Talking 215 Playoff Edition. Uh, uh, uh. I am your host, Scooter McGillie, one aka Joey K., and joining me as always, getting out of protocols here. (laughs) He's been in protocols this last week, but he is a professional, something he always reminds me of, and he's a fighter. (laughs) Jakey B, what's up, brother?
0: What's going on, man? So glad that we can be doing it. And let's go. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs, baby. Let's
1: go. This is this is our playoff preview episode. I don't want to say playoff preview, but we're going to continue to be doing these episodes and talking about the birds. But guys, this is our first playoff episode, matchup show, whatever you want to call it. We're ready. We got the juices flowing. This is something for you to listen to on your weekend for you to say, hmm, I wonder how the birds are going to do against the Bucks on Sunday. We got to cover for you. We're ready to oh, roll yeah. here. There's nothing we're holding back. There's nothing we're not going to talk about. We're bringing it all. We want you to have the energy too, so that when you listen to this episode, you are going to be like, "Damn, the birds are coming." So let's go. So Jakey, kick it off for us, man. What are your thoughts about this game, baby? Yea. And that's that's our boy Nick just pumping us up too. What do you what do you what do you just overall straight up thoughts on this game? I know it's the Bucks, the defending Super Bowl champions. Tim Brady, what do you think?
0: I think Vegas is really out of their mind. Like, I think the lines kind of settled right now at eight and a half. And I think that's absurd. I think that's disrespectful. And I think it's a guarantee money maker If you want to throw in some birds plus eight and a half. Like I, I was joking with, uh, with the boys over at BSing sports last night, definitely want to go check them out and check that episode out. I was on with them and I was messing around. Like, look, if you think the birds are going to win, like, let's say you think they're going to win by a field goal. If you take birds, minus two and a half you're looking at like plus 350 action you throw that in with like a couple other games like a Bengals I think the Bengals are gonna roll you take like a Bengals minus five or something like that you could easily see yourself at like a plus 600 little two game parlay right there and make some serious money I think I think Vegas they're usually spot on with this stuff and it like almost to a scary level at times but I think eight and a half for the the Bucks is just disrespectful, especially when you take account into this weather forecast. Look, I get it. Brady's from Foxborough, like a place certainly familiar with crappy weather, cold you know, cold playoff games, and they were obviously typically playing their playoff games at home. But a lot of these players, like they're used to just nice, warm Florida weather. You know it. I mean, you you were playing a game thirty eight degrees last night, but still, that's that's few and far between. And, uh, and I, I look, the birds are going to go out there. I, I trust Nick Sirianni. We're going to talk about Jonathan again in a ton this episode, but I really think it comes down to him and the defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I'm, I'm nervous, but then again, I'm nervous if we played the, the Owen 16 Detroit lions, just pregame. That's just natural to be like, what could go wrong glass half empty, but I'm also, I'm also excited. I'm also pumped up. I'm also like, if, It's such a weird feeling that you can't describe to people that don't follow Philadelphia teams of, you know, the underdog, the always being counted out, the always being doubted, the disrespectful lines, the you can't beat the goat. You can't beat this guy. You can't win on the road. You can't do this. All Philadelphia teams are ever told is what they can't do. That's all they are. They're the little brother or the step cousin of the New Yorks, the Bostons, the New Englands. Uh, the L.A.'s, the Chicago's, the Miami's, that's all that they are, their second fiddle. And we use that unlike any other city. We use that as fuel. We use that as motivation. You can talk about the fans, the coaches, the players, et cetera, you name it. Look, if we're going to talk about the Bucks and this matchup, I'm always going to say, let's go, Birds, baby. I think we can win this because I think we can win any game that we ever play, especially after listening to that Jason Kelsey speech on loop. You know, I I, I think I think I could run through a brick wall and we could win. But Dan Orlovsky, who a lot of you guys know, obviously works for ESPN. He does a lot yeah. of film breakdown. He put a tweet out the other day and he listed four things to do for the Eagles to have massive massive success on offense. And I couldn't agree more with what Dan said. And now we all know Tampa Bay's run defense is great, and Vita Vay is all that we've heard about their defense. He's an amazing guy in the middle stops and clogs everything, right? That's true. But he also gets winded a lot because he's a yep. large human. So, Dan said when Vita Ve is not on the field, so subbing out, sub packages, you name it. He said 9 out of 10 plays should be runs. You run the ball when Vita Ve is not on the field. That's your bread and butter, that's what you're best at. Their best run defender's not in the game, number 1, run the ball 9 out of 10 plays. He also said go no huddle. Yeah. At the line of scrimmage. Keep
0: them off the field.
1: Keep them off the field. Going no huddle goes into his number three thing. Do not sub anyone in. When you're going no huddle, up-tempo, running the ball, they can't sub Vitave in because we're going no huddle. He can't run from the sideline, get into a good defensive tackle position, and be ready to make a play no matter how much he's going. And then also the run should be to the perimeter of the defense, not up the gut. Now here comes, I don't want to say a problem, but here comes somewhat of a conundrum is – We are the number one team in the NFL in inside zone runs. Yeah. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are bottom five in the NFL, believe it or not. 27. And giving up outside run zones. So there's going to be a little bit of give and take there. No huddle, up-tempo, something that Jalen Hurts did in college and successfully a lot. Outside runs. And look, we got a stable of running backs, Jake. Let's rotate these guys in so that they're fresh and keep hitting them. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be tough. But we gotta capitalize on when Vita is not on the field.
0: Oh yeah. now and and I touched on this when I was talking last night, like especially with this forecast, I really see a guy like Boston Scott getting used a ton both in the short passing game and in those outside runs. I mean, you saw it to extreme success, especially on fourth down in that last game, not the not the Cowboys game. We don't even like who cares about that game besides Dallas having that game as their Super Bowl. Congratulations, <laughs> guys. Uh, like in the last game that really mattered. I mean, you could see what he was doing all over there. I thought not playing him in my fantasy football championships was going to come back to bite me. Still won, not a big deal. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was being utilized phenomenally. His pass-catching ability is something that has always been phenomenal here uh, with him on the birds and everything. So I see him being utilized very heavily. And look, I, I see a guy like Jordan Howard being utilized a lot less. He obviously has not been the same since he's come back from that injury. Uh, he's had, I believe, one game that you could say, like, okay, that was a pretty good game, 80-something yards. I believe it was against the football team. Uh, But like like Joey just touched on, they're phenomenal on inside the tackle run defense. They're far less than stellar outside the tackle run defense. Look, I know a lot of you are listening like, oh, well, you know, we played up, we matched up against the Saints, the number one run blocking defense in the, or run stopping defense in the NFL, and we ran all over them. Like, I get that. Like, I do. But you still got to kind of play to your opponent's weaknesses, <coughs> excuse me, and, uh, and and do what you know, do what they're not good at, and do what you are good at. And I get that Jordan Howard and pounding the rock right up north and south. We don't like a whole lot of east and west. Is uh, is great, but if Miles Sanders, as he claims to be, is like a hundred percent, and and luckily it's a hand, so his running shouldn't be affected too much. His ball security, which has already been kind of suspect, maybe. Uh, hopefully that'll just kind of be a little something in the back of his head to say, man, I really have to take, keep extra focus on keeping this ball, especially with my hand being dinged up and it'll just help him. But you could see a guy like him, see a guy like Boston Scott. And then look in the red zone, give me some Kenny Gainwell, Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. I don't want to see Miles Sanders used in the red zone very much. I, I've said it jokingly and not jokingly. He is probably the worst starting running back in the red zone in the NFL. The guy can't get an inch inside the 20. Where you got guys like five foot five Boston Scott pounding people over on fourth down inside the red zone for a touchdown. Miles Sanders, I mean, there's a reason that he has the most yards with no touchdowns. I I could see him bust off a big one from outside the twenty, but inside the twenty, the guy just doesn't seem to have that pop. So, like you said, we got a big stable. Keep bringing him in, and you know, when you do have somebody relatively fresh and VitaVe is off the field, like you said, run fast pace. And get to the line and then you can slow it down at the line get in position and then because they're not going to sub people out because you could snap at any time right like reach up to the line get set and then if you want to breathe they're like take a second just don't sub anybody out because then you have to give the defense that opportunity to so that's that's a big focus for me on offense certainly
1: yeah it's going to be interesting to see what we do on offense and you know The casual fan is always going to scream out, run the ball, Nick, run the ball, Nick, run the ball, Nick. Like, I I see that all the time, even when we're barely getting some push behind the line. And and guys, look, I love Jason Kelsey more than any player on this Eagles team. But he's giving up a massive, massive payload to Vita Vey up front. Okay, so which is why with Jason Kelsey's athleticism, you want to get these stretch runs. You want to get these runs where Kelsey can pull to the outside or get to the next level. Um, you don't want to he's just,
0: arguably the best center in the NFL doing that. I mean, how many times do you see him 30 yards downfield?
1: He's first team all pro for a reason. First oh, yeah. team all pro for a reason. And and yet, yeah, this guy is a road grader when he gets outside. He uses his athleticism, but anchoring against Vita Vey up front, who he's giving a ton of weight to and leverage, I don't think it's the best use. And one no. part that I'm gonna get nervous here is when we have like a third and short third and one third and inches and that QB sneak comes up and you got Sue and Vita right in the middle over Kelsey and Dickerson. And it's going to be like, man, we need Hertz to get that QB sneak for, you know, just like a yard. Are we going to be able to get that push? That's a little difficult, but you know, you talked about red zone and miles Sanders not being in there that I totally agree with. I honestly think this needs to be a, you know, I play flag football and a lot of times, you know, you play with your friends. You, you get you throw the ball to your go-to guys. If you're beating the crap out of a team, you'll get everybody involved just to get them touches. But when you need to win a game, I'm going to this guy or I'm going to that guy. I'm sorry, guys. This is the recipe for success. Oh, yeah. I think when you're in that red zone and they increase their run defense that much more because it's less space to operate, I think only three people need to be touching the football. Dallas Goddard, Devontae okay. Smith, and Jalen Hurts with his legs. That is it. I don't want to see a target to Quez Rager. Uh, I don't want to see a run up the middle to Jordan Howard. Who? What about a- what about
0: red zone threat? Greg Ward. I mean, the guy only seems to do stuff in the red zone.
1: Look, if he scores, uh, I'll <laughs> I'll put this. I'll put a picture of this uh, podcast on a piece of paper crumbled up and I'll eat it live on Twitter <laughs> if he scores and I'll eat my words. I don't care. But I really think. When you're in the red zone and goal-to-go situations, there's that cliche, you don't pre- beat Brady with field goals, blah, blah, blah. You don't beat anybody with field goals, okay? You don't. So stop saying stuff like that. We need to score touchdowns. It's the playoffs. These are the playoffs, guys. So that being said, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, Jalen Harris-Legs, those are the only three people I want touching the ball or being a focus inside the red zone.
0: No, I mean, it's a good point, but let me ask you this. When you when you said you don't beat anybody with field goals, like this team, obviously, we've talked about a ton. Everybody in Philadelphia has talked about a ton. They have been getting off to very slow starts. Extremely, because, it, like historically oh yeah. slow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like scoring three, seven, ten points or less in the first half, and then sometimes blowing up for over 30 points in the second half. Like, it, it's, it's incredible. But let's say we're in that kind of situation. Obviously, the weather is not conducive to that. For those that don't know, 90% chance of rain. Wins of 15 to 20 with gusts up to 30 mile per hour. uh, Really setting it up well for a, a heavy run presence game. A lot of short intermediate passes and very few and far between long balls. I'm going to get into that in a second, but specifically talking about the field goals. This team is getting off to very slow starts. I'm a little nervous that they are going to convince themselves, oh, if it's less than a or if it's more than a 35 yard field goal and it's fourth and four or shorter, we have to go for it. like. I get that. And I get that you don't really win games with field goals, but how many times do you, you know, in the past two years have we been on the, this pod or just talking to each other or just talking to our friends where we lose by two and we had a fourth and short, it well inside field goal range that we went for and didn't get that you look back and be like, man, those three points really would have helped. And we're talking about a team that's starting incredibly slow. Let's say our first drive starts going off great. I forget. Forget exactly what game it was this year, but it was like that first drive was flying down the field, and they went for it on fourth down, didn't get anything, and then it was another like it. It took them a while till they actually started getting that momentum again. Uh, it was the game that Miles Sanders went out in. They the first drive, uh, the, the first time he went out. I, if you remember the game, feel free to hop in. I forget. It
1: might have been Washington or Giants for the first one. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, where they, they flew down the field their first drive, and then and then uh, Miles Sanders got injured. And uh, he was out for those three games that you know the Nick gave us the H E L
1: space Y E A when uh,
0: when Sanders texted that to him the next game. Um, but but look, they're in that situation. You have the opportunity to get points on the board. I understand the weather's not great for field goal kicking, but my man Jake Elliott, ninety one percent really it was something like ninety seven percent. I already went over those two didn't count at least in the talking two and five. He is the the hardware award winner of the Jakey B talking two and five comeback player of the year award. Uh, so I, I'm kind of in the camp that you, if it's fourth and more than one and you're inside of a 40, 45 yard field goal range early in the game, kick the field goal man. like get points on the board and get the ball rolling early because it seems like once we start getting points, that dam breaks and our offense really starts going gangbusters.
1: No, I completely agree with that. I, I, I agree with getting the points, especially on the road because Nothing can more de- be more deflating on the road than coming away with no points on a drive where you're in your opponent's territory. But I also think, and Jake, you know this as a kicker, I also think that the special teams coach um, and Sirianni are going to look at Elliott after his on-field warmups and be like, "Hey, yeah, where, what distance are you comfortable considering the elements?" Now, you know, if you're in a dome, hey, coach, I'm good from 59 today. You know, I'm I'm I feel good from 59. Like I was I was nailing them. But when you're outdoors and it's rainy and windy, he may be like, you know, coach 38, you know, inside of 40, I'm good outside of 40. You know, it's, it's, it's
0: a coin flip. It's a yes.
1: coin flip. So, and that's where the analytics Sirianni and this staff are going to have to come together and say, what is more important and pivotal at this game? Because you get, you guys all know, you missed that field goal. Look at the field position. You're giving Tampa mm-hmm. same thing. If you miss it by going forward on fourth, but Maybe some short pooch punts might be the way to go. It all depends on what Elliot tells the coaching staff based on the rain and the wind, based on what side of the stadium we're going to. Sometimes, that Oh, yeah, the wind direction and everything. Yeah. Hey, coach, if we're going to the south end zone, I got you from 45. Hey, coach, if we're going to the north end zone, you know, 38 is right around there, you know, yeah. give or take. So. Uh, I mean, look, I, I really think it's going to be on Elliott to just say how he feels in warm-ups, how that field is, you know, the plant foot, the wetness, the the wind, all that stuff is going to come into play. So um, it's going to be interesting because they have to deal with it too, not just us.
0: Oh, yeah. And look out for our guy, Jimmy Kemsky, Definitely follow him because I'm sure he'll be he'll be posting all the update tweets during pregame warm and all. He's usually one of the first guys at the stadium watching these guys warm up. So definitely, you know, keep an eye on him and see how these guys are doing those warm-ups to get a Get a kind of feel of where we're going to be at with uh with special teams. While we're on special teams, before we go off this topic, because I don't really see us talking about this much the rest of the episode. But somebody who's been overall pretty disappointing for me this season, Aaron Sippis needs to have a big game if called upon. Yeah. Like, look, the guy can the guy can cough and corner it when he's you know we're at the, just out of field goal range, but it's too long of a fourth down to go for it. And you don't want to give a midfield you know possession if you go for it and don't get it. He can coffin corner inside the 15, inside the 10. But when we go three and out or six and out and we need a boomer to flip the field, he just, he, he comes up short. He does. We have, and I, I checked out Cam Johnson's stats. Like he's got, he hasn't had a single game of at least one punt less than 50 yards. And I mean, I get it. He's on the Texans. So he's probably getting called upon to punt a fair amount, but that might have been an overlooked cut. I mean, I talked about it before he was cut when I was running this show by myself, like Cam Johnston at a time was holding the record for the longest average, like punt distance of, of any punter ever in the history of the NFL. He was, he was higher than, than anybody else in the average punt distance. And we just cut him. Like, I don't know if it's because we're in that salary cap hell and he was a little bit, you know, on the higher end of paid punters and all, but Aaron Sippis needs to to really get some boomers out there. And Jordan Mylata, like, don't hate me. I get he's another one of your Aussie brothers. Like, we uh, don't listen to this and be like, oh, I'm not. Gonna, like, <laughs> I get it. Like, you guys are all brothers. But like, he's probably he's probably looking himself in the mirror, Aaron Sippis, and saying like, you need to do better. Like, he's probably holding himself more accountable than anybody else, knowing knowing the guys on the team and everything. But like, I just want to take a, a minute to talk about how he really needs to step up if called upon. Hopefully. You know, we don't got a pun at all. But if called upon, like he's got to get some of those boomers out there again.
1: No, that's a great point. I, I feel like I've been noticing that in games too, where I'm like, how far did that pun go? Did he shank that one? Like,
0: yeah. why? why Wait, too many team... shanks. Like you're you're punning every single day. Like well, even if you even smaller. if you
1: go to the back and it's, and it's noticeable because even if you like go to the bathroom or go, or go grab a drink or something like that during the game, like oh, Eagles are punting. Let me go grab a snack. Let me go grab some to drink. Whatever. You come back, and you're like why does the other team have the ball on our 48-yard line? Like, what the, yeah. what the hell happened? Like, where did this punt go? Yeah, was it a you big know?
0: return? No, it was just a 35-yard punt.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I completely agree, especially when you're playing against a QB like Brady. You, you can't talk about field position enough yeah. in the elements, in the playoffs. It's going to be huge. Yeah, and weather um,
0: like this, am I expecting a 60-yard bomb? Like, no, I get it. Like, it's tough conditions regardless of, for any kicking, for any for any football. But, like, you got to have a, one of your best performances. You have to.
1: Completely agree. Completely agree with you there.
0: Anyway, to step away from special teams because <laughs> obviously people aren't aren't tuned in to hear so much about kicking. Um, I, I know I talked about how you're going to see a lot of short and intermediate passes. In one of the Eagles' last great playoff runs in 2017, I was at that Eagles Falcons playoff game uh, where you know, they they won off of that walk off. Didn't Julio missed it in the in the corner of the end zone? Whatever, I was right in that corner. It was it was sweet. Great, you know, I've posted the video onto our social media. It's a sweet, sweet play, sweet time, great memory. But one of the, I believe it was the first play of the game for the Eagles on offense. They took a deep shot to Torrey Smith, and they had, they knew there was no chance he was coming down with it. That thing was a duck, and it was you. I was watching it; it was going left to right all through the air the entire time it flew. But they had the right matchup; they got separation. Boom. 30-something yard pass interference, if not more. Like I'm hoping we see some of that because you're looking at a a buck secondary that's very banged up. So you may not throw it expecting to come down with it, but you could very well get some penalties on some younger, not-as-experienced, not-as-veteran, not-as-good secondary members when they say, oh, crap, this guy's got separation on me, not realizing that that ball is moving from left to right at 20 miles per hour.
1: Yeah, and, that, and Jake, that's strategic. And I actually see the flip side of that where I'm like a veteran quarterback like Brady is going to take full advantage of that as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. our guys can be in perfect coverage. And that connection to Brady to Mike Evans, Evans being the vet he is, will sell yep. the pass interference so well. And, you know, look, when we won the Super Bowl in 2007, 2017, like you were talking about, um, we were supposed to play the Jacksonville Jaguars in that Super Bowl. Brady got two of those exact calls, like you said, where it's just chuck it up and hope something happens, and his receiver was able to sell the fact that it was P.I. Two very questionable calls that caused the the Patriots to come back and upset the Jaguars. But needless to say, Brady's very familiar with that. He uses that a lot. Yeah. Um, Especially with the wind, I'll be interested to see how that works. Um, But, look, I'm – you have to play with the elements. You have to play what you're given. You know, if this game was in Philly, we'd be talking about how cold it was, about how mm-hmm. rainy the cold, all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. So we have to play in the elements too. And you have to take advantage of them. Um, I know a lot of people think that because it's going to be rainy and windy that that kind of gives to our advantage of the run game. It does. But it also makes it easier for their great run defense to have that element of non-surprise. Like, yeah. hey, you're not going to go five wide here. We're one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Let's keep our run defenders on the field and just go strength versus strength. So the, it's give and take with that. But, yeah, the weather's going to be interesting to see how we do from kicking game, passing game, and that pass interference factor. Remember it, guys. It's going to be so huge. What Jake Oh, do. yeah.
0: No, I'm excited to see what Nick Sirianni pulls out of his ass. Like I am. Right. I'm excited to see what kind of plays he's going to be calling. I, I can see a lot of creative screens, a lot of creative slants, and then obviously a bunch of different runs. I mean, shoot, maybe – Maybe you'll see a flea flicker in there, but I do expect to see some form of a trick play uh, that they're going to kind of try to unveil in this game. You need to take anything you can get, and so uh, I'm very excited to see what kind of game that he's going to call and what kind of plays we're going to call and everything. Before we switch over to the defensive side of the ball, just like you kind of touched on it with Jalen Hurts, and and obviously he's a guy that you really want to keep a close eye on, his experience in a playoff game, and just how he plays in general, Uh, but who are some players for you to watch on offense and why?
1: Man, I'll tell you what. I don't know why I've been thinking this all week, but I have a feeling that Kenny Gainwell may be utilized in the past game more than we've seen him this year, or maybe how we saw him earlier in the year. Um, you know, you talk about a wet, rainy game and Miles Sanders' hand coming off the surgery he had. That doesn't bode well from a fumbling purpose. You talk about Jordan Howard and his stinger and not looking a hundred percent. That doesn't bode well for the run game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then obviously we have Boston Scott, who we definitely rely on, who we definitely think is great. He's a good all-around running back. He always steps up when given the opportunity. I think someone like Gainwell, who has been a healthy scratch at times because of the running back carousel, who's a rookie, I think if you have him in the game with Hertz's legs, that linebacker now has to decide, am I paying attention to Gainwell, who flexed out in the past game, or am I staying inside the QB spy on Jalen Hurts? Because I can't do both. Mm -hmm. So... I think getting Gainwell in the passing game, lining him up in the backfield, putting him out in the slot, putting him up in trips, disguising him in the pass routes, having him run drags, screens, slants, you name it, match up on these slower linebackers, I think is going to be an untalked about X factor. We always talk about Goddard, we always talk about Devontae Smith, you know, Miles Sanders back, Jalen Hurts this, yada, 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 offensive line. Watch Kenny Gainwell. I just have this weird sneaky suspicion that he's going to be utilized on some big plays whether it be third down in the red zone in the passing game and he's going to match up well on those Tampa Bay linebackers.
0: I like it. I like it. I mean, you know I'm a big Kenny G guy and yeah. I I would love to see him pop off. I mean, he's he's got six touchdowns on the year. Let's get 7 and 8 right here on tomorrow. Yeah. Let's <laughs> knock him out. Now, he he's he's another one of those kind of dual threat running backs that that really does well when given the opportunity. I understand he had you know, a little bit of a ball security issue. Although the one big fumble that that got him virtually healthy, scratch not seeing the field and all was uh, it shouldn't have been a fumble. He was down. Um, anyway, no, I, I think that's a great choice. I kind of have a weird one. I I don't know why, but I kind of see maybe not in yards, but in total receptions for this wide receiver core. I see Greg Ward having the most catches out of anybody on the receivers. Dallas Goddard, I think, will obviously have the most catches on the team. But out of the receivers, just because like he doesn't have that deep over the top speed, obviously. But he, he's always been known as a relatively good route runner, and he's got he's got very good hands. Like that's that's something that he's always said. I know he had to drop this here in the end zone and all, but for the most part, like he's always been really heralded for having very good hands. I see him doing a lot in the short and intermediate game, uh, maybe picking up some some needed first downs where it's a little bit too long to to really run for it or anything. But I see Greg Ward having having a, a larger impact with receptions. Again, maybe not yards, but he's probably not my overall player to watch. Just somebody that I think you you definitely want to keep a, a close eye on. Like it's 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 an easy answer for me. Just the the running back core. Like those are the players to watch. It, for all the reasons we explained, it's you don't have to get get too too crazy creative. I know you say Kenny Gamewell. I'm just gonna go with with same. Same concept, but just with the whole room. Like you you need to have them go crazy. And uh or you know, I can switch it up and easily go basically hand for hand with it and just say the offensive line. Like those those two facets right there, the the run blocking run blocking offensive line and the running backs are are gonna be the biggest part of this offense for the entire game.
1: This is why you tu- tune in to talking two one five right here. We give you Greg Ward and Kenny Gainwell as players to watch in the playoffs. Are you oh, kidding yeah. me? Are you kidding me? I don't Let's know. Go. I just
0: I, I think he's gonna lead in receptions. Not like not for the team, but for the wide receivers. Devontae Smith, he, he's gonna be hampered by this weather. He's gonna do a great job of you know pulling people with him because you can't just leave the guy open. But a guy like Greg Ward, just kind of sitting in those short routes, and uh you're you're obviously not gonna get their best going up against Greg Ward uh on an already injured secondary. I see him getting a, a number of targets and a bunch of catches.
1: Let's go. Big play, Greg. I love it. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Who knows? Maybe he'll be involved in that trick play. You hear it all the time. Oh, Greg Ward, college quarterback, Greg Ward. Uh, And look, I'd love to see they joke about it in the preseason. I watched a video where uh, a bunch of people are asking all the Eagles, like, oh, who has the strongest arm on the team? And everybody was like Lane Johnson. He was a JUCO quarterback. Maybe you get some kind of lateral to him where he throws a deep bomb for a pass interference.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. You know, you're playing Brady, and if Sirianni has any sense of irony about him as a coach and a former player, you name it, um, what a time to run Philly special would be in this game uh against Brady. Now look, I know the nostalgia's there and everything like that, but I- I'm I'm a firm believer in running one trick play a game. And when I say trick play, it doesn't have have to be a double reverse flea flicker to Lane Johnson. It doesn't have to be (laughs) Uh, a trick play can be something as simple as just a reverse or a jet sweep to your tight end, something, you know, like simple, uh, but you don't really see often, you know, so um, even a wildcat can be considered a trick play. So I'm a firm believer in running it at least once a game keeps the defense honest, keeps them off balance and with the versatility and skill sets of certain players, you never know what someone's going to do. Greg Ward being a former quarterback, you know what I'm saying? The athleticism, Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson, you never know what someone's going to do. So um, yeah, I think this would be the perfect time for a trick play. I'm really interested to see what time we, uh, what, what kind Nick Sirianni draws up.
0: Oh yeah. And and touching on trick plays before we switch over to the other side of the, the field, it, it sucks that Tyree Jackson tore his ACL. I mean, regardless of, of utilize of, uh, you know a trick play or anything it sucks but like that's another quarterback that you could have had out there for a trick play the guy has a cannon for an arm saw so him in the old xfl you know sling <laughs> yeah. that thing around so uh you know would have loved to see and you you ended up you did win that bet i understand he had the touchdown he had the receptions didn't have the yards. so just let me know what chair do you'd like for it to go to? And I'll uh, I'll certainly get that going. He was on pace, though, man. He, he was, was on pace. He, it was very close. I mean, you, you tweeted me scared. saying, Hey, you getting nervous there, Scooter? I was like, yep. eh,
1: well, a little bit. I am.
0: <laughs> Look, he, he might have looked like a deer in headlights whenever he had the ball in his hands, but he was getting it in his hands. He wasn't dropping it. You're right. Um, unlike JJ Ortega Whiteside, probably played his last game as a as an Eagle, bunch of drops there. Hate to see it. Anyway, flipping over the other side of the ball. Uh let's talk about a guy that you could see. Possibly on one of these trick plays with you've seen him a couple times towards the end of the season. Darius Slay, his involvement. I know you've been on record saying that you don't want him to shadow Mike Evans. That's I, still the case.
1: Let let me clarify that. I don't want him to shadow Mike Evans all game. All game is the caveat there. Um, the reason I say that, guys, and I know everybody's saying like, "Oh, it's their best receiver." AB's out. God wants out. Put our best DB on him. Yeah, I get that. Totally understand. But I think there's situational play calling for every circumstance in the game. And if you're going to have Slay shadow Mike Evans everywhere he goes, you're showing Brady and tipping your hand to him of what is going on. There's Slay on that side of the field. I can run the screen to this side. Or there's Slay. I can run a complimentary trips route to the other side. I can isolate Gronk on this side. I just feel like when you're making it easy on Brady, a lot of the times he already knows the answers to the test because one, he studies and two, he cheats. But if you're going to go ahead and provide that answer key to him ahead of time, you're only making it that much easier to him. So yes, I agree. Slay should be on Evans most of the time, but shadowing him hundred percent, like some people suggest, I think only gives Brady an easy tell into how your defensive alignment is going to be. That's just my opinion. I think you need to disguise Brady. I watched a lot of Tampa film this week, and mainly the games against the Saints. The Saints were the team that gave Brady the most fits this year. And guys, they were pressing at the line of scrimmage. Their front seven looks were so exotic. They'd have one guy that constantly rushed the passer, and that was Cam Jordan. Other than that, there was stunts. There was uh, defensive end drops with a nickel blitz. There was linebackers stunting around the outside, dropping back a D-tackle across the middle. He was so, I don't want to say confused, but there were so many different looks thrown at Brady to where he couldn't really get into a rhythm like he wanted to. And then if you get a good push, which I expect our D-line to hopefully get, even though Tampa has a really good offensive line, you don't want to allow Brady to get the ball off quick. So by pressing those receivers, he either has to take a shot over top, maybe on a quick seam or fly route to Gronk or Evans, or hold it that extra half second. And that extra half second could be big with our D-line and especially in the playoffs. So look, be a lot more physical than you've ever been, Gannon. Please. I'm not saying blitz every play. I'm not going to be cliche like that. But seriously, press these receivers, trust Slay, trust the DBs that you have that have been making plays all year for you, and then get that pressure the way you need to. Show some different looks. We really, really have to if we want to be
0: successful on D. Man, I tell you all the time, yeah, you know, I like I learn just as much as everybody else that, that listens to the old coach Joey. <laughs> but no, it's funny. Like I basically for just the what you said about Mike Evans and Darius Slay said the same thing last night on BSN Sports. because they were all like, oh, you've got to have Slay just constantly on Mike Evans. And I was like, Look, like I, I'm not hundred percent sure like if this is his thought process behind it. I was like, but Coach Joey said you know don't do it and i was like here's why i believe he said that and i said the exact same thing i was like look you don't want to give him the ability to say okay well we know clay's going to be on evans so let's let's figure out how we can game plan the other guys and the rest of the team to get open on their lesser cornerbacks like it gives them that that ability to just realize what's going on and adapt to it where if you don't have that they're going to constantly have to Make decisions with the like with the least amount of information in the shortest amount of time possible, which is what you need to do. Uh, and then I also touched on like you just all I'm saying is you, you're a good teacher, bud. You know your football. <laughs> I've learned it because I said similar thing you got to press. This him is up. opinion.
1: Yeah. This this is opinion though. This is just just my opinion. If I were Brady and I but were you're right. Yeah, yeah, but you're
0: right. <laughs> you're right though. Now, so now, I think you're spot on. Spot on. You gotta you gotta press them up on the line of scrimmage. You can't just give up seven yards when I know you, you posted a picture or uh, you know quoted tweeted a picture where it was second and three and we were eight yards off the line of scrimmage. Like okay, let's just give them the first down. Just give it like, to them then.
1: I mean, why even have second and three? Just let them run for those additional three yards if you're just gonna concede a first down. Like, yeah, I didn't understand that. But but look, guys, inside the red zone, goal to go situations, yeah, Slay should be all over Evans. But oh, yeah. Keep in mind, Tampa loves to r- run a lot of trip bunch sets. And, and watching them on film, I noticed they'll have Evans as the inside slot on Trips' bunch. Trips is basically three receivers to one side. And instead of Evans being on the outside or the point man, which is the top guy in the middle, he'll be the inside, which allows him to work across the middle. The slot puts him on a lesser corner most of the time because you don't put your best corner inside on Trips. And then what they like to do also that on the boundary side um, is isolate Gronk on the other side of that trips formation. So it's a really clever way of getting their playmakers in space, utilizing their talents. And I got to tip my hat to Byron Leftwich because some of these formations that Tampa comes out with, despite the fact that they have really good offensive skill set players, he puts them in positions to get open. And you've heard this phrase a lot, scheme them open based on the formations he's calling.
0: No, uh, it's it's going to be tough. They're they're obviously an incredibly skilled team with some incredible coaches and uh, a quarterback that, regardless of how you feel about him, is, is very skilled, very veteran, knows knows his way around the uh, around the league, around the the gridiron. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a very tough matchup. And Darius Slay is going to be a huge part of uh, our success on defense or our hopeful success on defense. And I know we already kind of. Teased about Jonathan Gannon and, and hopefully pressing up on these guys. But another guy that we talk a ton about on this pod, and Avante Maddox is going to be huge as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Avante Maddox has been having, uh, in my opinion, a Pro Bowl season. He's in the slot. He's been locking things down. You could look at his coverage grade, his tackle grade, whatever you want to do. You could also look with your eyeballs on film each Sunday and the plays he makes and the stops he makes. Just been amazing. Look, uh, I think Tampa gets Scotty Miller back. He's he could be a demon in the side. He could be that West Welker type that just yeah. those annoying yards across the middle. You just talked about Jay Greg Ward getting those annoying yards across the middle, you know, moving the chains. Scotty Miller's a guy that could do that. So you need Avante Maddox there. But also, you need Avante Maddox because look, when you're in the slot, you're closest to the line of scrimmage in the offensive playmakers compared to the outside corners. And Brady likes to utilize his running backs a lot in the past game, whether it be Giovanni Bernard, whether it be Leonard Fournette checking it down to them. You can't allow people to break tackles and get two, three, four more yards, you know, and now be looking at second and two, second and three, as opposed to second and eight. Making that tackle on impact is going to be huge for Vontae Maddox too, especially if he gets the opportunity down the backfield on some of these running backs. So, yeah, great point. Maddox is going to be somebody you really want to highlight. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Jake. I've been thinking all day about this on who on defense needs to have the biggest impact. You could obviously look at Slay. You could obviously look at, you know, Hargrave and Cox, you know, that interior pressure to get on Brady. I'm going to go different here. I'm going to go the safety position in general. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Epps, Rodney McLeod. You may be tasked with guarding Gronk. You may be tasked with guarding Cameron Bray. You may be tasked with disguising stuff for Brady. And when I say that, guys, is if Brady sees too deep safety, he's checking to a run. That's less guys in the box, closer to the line of scrimmage. If Brady sees single high or a safety creeping down in the box, he's going to check to Gronk in the seam, which is a seam route to Gronk right down the middle of the field over the safety. He's going to utilize wherever those safeties are. That's his primary read. So, Roddy McLeod, you need to have your best game as an Eagle. Marcus Epps, you need to continue trending up, whether that be on Gronk, whether that be on some of their other tight ends. They got O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, you name it. I really, really think the safety position is going to be key for the Eagles' defense because of the disguise, tackling ability, and coverage on some of their weapons.
0: No, I think it's a wonderful point, and I was going to when you talked about tackling and all, I was going to kind of joke about. I was like, "Well, look, you know, speaking of tackling, and hopefully hard tackling. Let's talk about our boy Marcus Epps getting out there. Hopefully, he can go out and lay the boom on somebody, get him, get him here in the footsteps early." I'm it. always thinking about who's over the top, ready to just lay him out because that guy. Look, he's a good, sound tackler. When given the opportunity, he just knows how to drop the shoulder, not the head, drop the shoulder and just level someone. And uh, and we joked about he was the best safety at the, on the team. You know, Ronnie McLeod's kind of shut us up on that pretty quick. Uh, he, he's he's playing phenomenally in the second half of the year right now. Not, not phenomenally. But he's playing very well. What a pleasant half. surprise, though. I mean, oh, yeah. Him. Oh, yeah. Certainly a lot better than Anthony Harris.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And And look, with that safety play, too, Um, Tampa Bay has the second best third down conversion percentage in the NFL just behind the Chiefs. So you're looking at Mahomes and Brady shock being one and two in third down conversion percentage in the NFL. And Jake, we've talked about it to death on this podcast. Gannon's philosophy against bad quarterbacks and Gannon's philosophy against good quarterbacks. You're going against the number two quarterback in the entire NFL who may win the MVP award at home, defending Super Bowl champion, number two third down percentage conversion rate in the NFL. You cannot play off these guys. You have to press, you have to jam them, you have to make the throws tight window and difficult. Do it, do it, do it, Gannon, or else you're just pressing the same button in Madden every single play. That's all yeah. you
0: do. And it's it's not going to be a good outcome. I could turn to a shootout real quick. And look, you know how this team, at least early in the year, reacted to shootouts. They they abandoned the run. And I I things have a lot of things have changed since then. I just want one less reason to abandon the run. Like I, I'm not saying they would, but certainly would like to keep it at least competitive to where you're oh, not yeah. worrying about like, oh, we've got it, we've got to just air it out. We got to get the game closer. And then once it's closer, we'll go back to the run. Like keep it to where you can can keep that same momentum, keep that same game plan going. Uh, throughout the game and in, in doing so you need to not just continually hit triangle and run the same defense out there every single play because you will get picked apart in like there might not be that 40 yard play but four 10 yard plays will get the same result and they'll be getting those every single stinking play aside from a drop or a, a rare incompletion or just a, a hopeful tackle for a short gain or a loss when they decide to mix it up on a run so they can be extremely successful and just take all these chunks if you just continually run out that same vanilla defense that you can read from the second he he looks onto the, the field. I mean, it, it's it's that clear. You, you hear all the time quarterbacks just saying, like, oh, we're good. We're good because there's no disguise, and you, you can't do that. You can't. We did when they said, oh, we're good, we're good, when they were doing their checks. Oh, yeah. did you hear? Did you hear – I know we weren't going to talk about Week 18, but did you hear when Gardner Minshew called, we're good, we're good? No, I don't. I don't know if I did. I yeah, there. he was out there. And he was like, "We're good. We're good." Are we? It was like a two-yard. It was like a two-yard like two gain. I was like, "If we're good, man, like I want a lot more than two yards." I need or light. it was like an incompletion or something. It wasn't like it wasn't a positive play. And I was like, "We're good, really. Are we're we? good." <laughs> um, sticking with defense, a guy that I'm really, really hoping is, is good to go. But it sounds like if you're you're looking at out of all the reports that he might have the flu or, or some kind of like stomach bug and that's Josh Schwetz hasn't practiced once all week he's listed as questionable I, I find it hard to believe he's not doubtful uh, was still dealing with this this issue I understand he was back in the building yesterday um, but didn't practice at all no reports on if he was even working on with somebody on the sideline uh, they all I keep hearing is abdominal, illness so it makes me think of like a stomach flu or something like that but you know non-covid related so that's great he's out of the protocol or he won't be in it but he is a guy that in these last couple of games has absolutely been just ripping through offensive line and you need that you need that every single play you need every best player you can get out there I know we joked about we need no reason to play Ryan Kerrigan <laughs> any more than he plays and not having Josh Swett just is one more reason to play the the stat anomaly of 300-something snaps with, I believe it was like two tackles on the season. Don't even know how that's possible. Less than 1% tackle rate on a, on snaps played. We don't need that guy on the field. We need Josh Swett even at 75%. You're getting a lot better than 150% Ryan Kerrigan right now. So... <sighs> Like I, I know, there's really not much thoughts for you because that's just that's the reports. He's he's dealing with an illness. It's he's questionable return, but his impact on the field or if he's off the field, what what do you see that having on this game? No, look, guys, I'm
1: going to be completely honest with you. You're not going to like to hear this. If Josh Sweat does not play, I don't see any way that the Eagles can stop the Buccaneers. I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you, just yeah. straight up. Um, they have they have an amazing offensive line. We talk about how good the Eagles' offensive line is all the time. The Buccaneers are right there. They are right there behind us with how good their offensive line is. Tristan Worf is a stud. Ryan Jensen and all those guys. They have an amazing offensive line. So if their offensive line is tasked on the edge rushers of blocking Patrick Johnson and Ryan Kerrigan, yeah, uh, Brady's going to have all day back there. So we need Josh What to play. Let's hope he got over his stomach issue. I'm hoping that he did and that, look, it's the playoffs. You know, Hopefully it was just like a 24- to 48-hour bug that cleared out of his system. I know I've had one, you know, recently within the last month, and it was horrific, so I get it. Um, but look, guys, we need him to play, or else there's no shot of our defense stopping Tampa, period.
0: Yeah, and look, I get Milton Williams looked great, but he's been playing more in that tackle position. Uh, Derek Burnett's been pretty much just a shadow all season long. You, you see a few glimpses here and there. One thing that we can say positively about him is we haven't seen that that every single week Derek Burnett boneheaded penalty uh, but, but you know what?
1: You know what? Take it's weird with Derek Barnett. We talk about it. Is Derek Barnett could be playing against uh, an eight-year-old Pee Wee team and get shut out, mm-hmm. but Derek Barnett could also go up against Walter Jones and you know uh, <laughs> Trey Thomas in his prime and have four sacks. It's the weirdest thing.
0: I, I, hey, and we're shaving up for a big day for <laughs> Derek Barnett. There it is. Scooter McGilly's player to watch on the <laughs> defense, Derek Barnett. No, but honestly like it's 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 almost
1: like reverse splits in baseball where, you know, a lefty has yeah. better um hitting stats against a right-handed pitcher and vice versa. But you'll all, you'll always get that anomaly batter that hits better. He's a lefty, hits better against lefties. He has reverse splits. Um Derek Barnett is a reverse splits kind of guy. Against better competition he plays better and then he gets absolutely stonewalled by, you know, third-string backup tackles, you know, undrafted. So, look, let's that's somebody that's interesting, Jake. That's somebody that, you know, I mean, with Josh, what, you don't know if he's going to be playing as many plays as he normally does. Let's see if Derek Barnett can make a splash play here in a contract year. could be his last game as an Eagle, first-round pick. Well, make, I mean, we'll play win. Win. It, can't be
0: it can't be his last game because we're going to win. I mean, unless he gets in Well, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: saying in, in Tampa <laughs> this year, I mean, but, um, but look – Hey, we talk about all the time about Brandon Graham's strip sack fumble. It was DB who recovered that thing. So maybe he's got a little. Uh,
0: was braiding- he going to run in the wrong direction if he didn't fall down? <laughs> he may have. He may <laughs> have.
1: But look, maybe maybe this time DB gets a strip sack. Um, uh, you know, for um, yeah, for Brandon Graham. So hey, look, he's definitely somebody to watch, especially if Josh White doesn't play. But get better, Josh. We need you.
0: Oh yeah, speaking of BG, we've all seen the tweets. Like, do you? Do you bring BG out for the coin toss?
1: Hey, look, he's an Eagle. He's on the roster.
0: Yeah. Um, we're we're I mean, not even going to talk about the Nick Foles on the No, coin That's toss. stupid. He, he's love, on the Chicago Bears. Yeah. We guys. love Nick Foles. Yeah. Like, love him, love him, love him. He's a bear, first of all. Yeah. It's so, like, stop. Do, do like, you see it's, any, it's like, funny. what
1: a Chicago Bear coming to an Eagles playoff game? Like, a current Chicago Bear. Like, guys, stop. Stop making up <laughs> these weird fantasy scenarios like you got to get in Brady's head. No, it's stupid. Stop.
0: BG, like on the other hand. It's, yeah. it's 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 hilarious. And if the game was at the link, I'm all about like having Nick Foles highlights playing or something like that. Like, yeah. Like, but bringing him on, like stop.
1: No, seriously, stop that. I, look, if BG wants to be a captain, absolutely. He's still to this day in the locker room pumping up the guys. He's still watching film oh, yeah. with the team. He's oh, yeah. still out there on game days. He's on the sidelines. So Look, he's still a part of your team. If you want to throw him out there and put like B. G. Kelsey, Hurts, uh, like I-, I think that'd be pretty cool. Cox, the, you know those four, that'd be co- pretty cool to trot them out there as far as your captains go. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's not gonna say, "Oh my God, is that is that Brandon Graham going out to the coin toss?" I don't know if I can complete this five yard
0: pass.
1: I don't know if I can do it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I think it'd be cool, it'd be nostalgic, it'd be funny, it'd be a nice little "Let's go, guys!" But oh, yeah. I don't think it'll affect Brady one bit. But I do think BG should do it. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and then make sure he shakes his hand.
1: So oh this yeah, one's
0: for, this one's for Nick. This one's for Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> Shake your hand. I like it. Poor loser, you baby. Nah, so yeah, I, I mean, like, I, like you said, I have no problem bringing Brandon Graham out there. I'd like it. I'd laugh. I'd smile like I don't think yeah. it'd really have that big of a difference but I would like it I, I want him to do it I think it's funny uh obviously yes. yeah obviously the guy does still kind of cringe at that Super Bowl he, he talks about how that you know was one of the toughest Super Bowl losses in his in his career so I'm I'm all about it but uh but now we we kind of talked about it a second ago with with me saying there it is right there Joey Joey K saying uh db is going to be his player to watch but who who is your player to watch i I know you kind of said the the player to watch as a as a position group is going to be the safeties do you have one or two specific players that you're like need to need to have a crazy good game a lot of people are saying like oh fletcher cox has to has to be the best defensive player on the field if we want to have any hope what are your thoughts
1: yeah look i'm gonna just go out and and give you the easiest pick that i've ever given and it's jalen hurts and i'll be a little bit more specific on that
0: jalen hurts Um, on defense. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, Jalen Hurts playing middle linebacker. Um, no, but it's it's going to be Jalen Hurts with his legs. Look, I'm. Almost uh,
0: gonna, we're all a defensive player to watch.
1: Oh, defensive player to watch. Look, I'm not even paying attention. Um, <laughs> yeah, my defensive player to watch is going to be Steve Nelson.
0: I was gonna say like Jalen Hurts could probably call a better defense if that's where no. you're going with it. I was like, I'm all about it,
1: dude. I'm so I'm so jacked <laughs> up on this playoff vibes. Like I'm ready to go. I'm oh, not even yeah. paying attention. No, but it's going to be Steve Nelson. Um, just yeah, that's a great play. answer. Yeah, we, we we think Slay's going to be on Evans most of the time. If he's not, Slay's going to be doing his thing regardless. We talked about Avante Maddox, man in the slot, maybe on Scotty Miller, maybe on run support, whatever. You have it. And then there's Steve Nelson over there. We talked about the safeties and the impact they're going to have. He's kind of like the one guy we didn't talk about in this secondary. Brady can throw the ball 50 times a game if he wants to. You're going to have to make plays on the ball. So with no Antonio Brown and no Chris Godwin, Steve, I need you to win your individual matchups. I need you to. Because if you're winning your matchups, that D-line that we just talked about is getting pressure. We're disguising our looks, Slay doing his thing. I mean, I feel really good. I feel confident. So on defense, Steven Nelson, here's your time. We just gave you that bonus money that we, you missed out on for the playing time incentive because we benched you week 18 because we didn't have our starters in. We did a solid to you. Now do a solid for us. Mm-hmm. Lock it down. Make a big play.
0: No, I, I think that's a phenomenal answer. Shows you are the furthest thing from a casual fan. You know, I mean, no. It really, it's it's a great answer, and it it really goes deep into the game and into what's gonna gonna be needed to have a successful time on defense. Well, I was uh, a casual
1: it, fan because I picked Jalen Hurts as my defensive
0: uh, yeah, no, no, your <laughs> ca- casual podcast. No, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Right. Now, um, <laughs> no, and to touch on real quick for those that didn't see it, like the Eagles did the right thing. Uh, the Steve Nelson was in line for about three hundred fifty thousand incentives uh, to for playing time. And they knew they were going to be sitting him for for that meaningless last game, and that that would keep him from hitting that benchmark. So they were just like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, we got you. Here's the check right here. It's the right thing." Especially Absolutely. with especially with uh with you having some money free agency this year, like that thing that stuff goes goes miles. Like even if you don't Perfect make that guy. huge splash, you're looking at players that that are looking for that three hundred fifty thousand that are just like, man, that's huge. Like obviously a guy like if you're trying to make a play on a guy like Devontae Adams, like. Three hundred fifty thousand to in compared to what he's gonna get in the contract, it's like whatever. But even to him, like seeing an or- organization that's really treats their players right and all, it, it goes miles. And so it, it's the right move, a move that I wouldn't see a team like a uh, like New York making or something like that. You know, just separating ourselves from the competition. So it's the right move. And again, like you said, we we did a we, we did some for you. Now you do some for us. There, there, big guy. Yes, like sir. go out there. I was joking. I I insulted him on Twitter, and I was like, when that came out, I was like, look, you heard how critical I am of his play, but they still did the vi- like the best thing they could have and giving him this money, and uh, and uh, and I joked. I was like, and naturally, since I said that, like he's getting two picks and a touchdown. So, uh, so prove me right, bud. Um, so yeah, great answer there. I'm gonna kind of go back to a guy that you've picked a couple of times. I believe believe twice, but TJ Edwards. Is going to need to have a great game if uh, if we aren't having phenomenal play from our defensive line, which we really haven't, aside from Hargraves and a few flashes from Josh Sweat, Mt. Williams. You know, the whole off defensive line aside from Ryan Kerrigan has shown flashes here or there. But if they get through that first level, like he's going to be the the guy that's needed to shut it down in the run game real quick. And then I'm sure he's going to be on Gronk occasionally. I'm sure he's going to be on some of these other slot guys or other receivers occasionally, like. If he can continue to do a, a average to above-average job in pass coverage as well, like that's going to be huge, especially, like we said, when the short and intermediate pass game is going to be heavily used by both teams, or at least we assume so due to the weather conditions. So I think TJ Edwards is going to need to have a monster game.
1: I really like that pick a lot, um, especially since he's been thrust into the starter role Yeah, uh, between Eric Wilson being gone, Davian Taylor going down. I mean, he's been making plays left and right, so I love that pick from you. Great pick.
0: And look, Alex Singletary's has <clears throat> played well the last three or four games as well. So not like the linebacker core as a whole obviously needs to play well, but TJ Edwards, best linebacker on the team, needs to have a great game. So now it kind of brings us to the best part. Predictions, man. What's going to happen? What are you thinking? All you, right. Or do you want me to hit you with some over-unders first? I'll, I'll go straight into my prediction, man. There
1: I'm like I've been mulling this over like for for a week now, and uh, look, the spread is what nine and a half, I believe, Jakey. Uh, I,
0: I believe it's gone down to eight and a half.
1: Eight and a half, still insulting. It's a t- that's a two score game, guys. That's disrespectful. We talked about the disrespect the Philly teams get a lot. This is very very disrespectful. Look, I'm gonna put it to you like this. I'm I'm very nervous about this game, and I and very pessimistic about us starting fast. We start slow every single game, and this, of all games, is not a game where you can afford to start slow. On the road, defending Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady, because it will kill you and almost be impossible to come back from. However, my bold game prediction is going to be Birds 29, Bucks 28. I'm going with the one point win. Going birds with the win because I'm not going to sit up here on this podcast talking about everything we just talked about and say the Bucks are going to win. I'm done with Tom Brady. I'm done with the Bucks. I'm done with everybody. Birds by one, baby. Let's go.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Look for anybody that listened to me last night, they heard my original prediction. I kind of slept on it, thought about a number of different things, and I've changed it up a little bit. Still, same same team comes out on top. Same team comes out victorious. Uh, But I see it being a situation where, you know what? It is going to be something where we're down two. They have the ball. The Bucs have the ball. Five minutes to go. We need a stop. And you know what? We get it. We get get that stop. I know. I know. But we get that stop when we need it most. Setting it up for just the Disney fairy tale ending. Again, where we kick that walk-off field goal. I'm also predicting a one point game but i see with these conditions i'm seeing some missed pats or like a two point conversion here or there due to the the poor weather due to uh, i believe they have a suck up over there suck up sucking it up you know <laughs> suck up sucks uh so i see 24 23 birds baby let's go we're not
1: playing around let's go
0: we're not playing around, so there it is. Look, you want to throw some money on it. All I'm saying is lot of value on Eagles money line. Ooh. A lot of value there. They they're disrespecting us. If and if look, you're a you're a fake fan, you know, do an alternative spread. Go Eagles plus three and a half. Something like that. You're still getting good value. Still Absolutely. getting good value. Still making more than plus one hundred on it. So so you you got some money to to be made there. Throw in like a a Greg Ward touchdown in the same game parlay, really really racking up racking up the Benjamins with that. So uh, you know, you know, tag us in it, thank us later. But <laughs> Birds winning it all, heading up setting it up for that Eagles Dallas NFC championship game that we're all dreaming about. So hey, I'm all for it. Tampa's fans don't scare me. We travel to Tampa extremely well. Fans of Philly's got a bunch of different trips heading down there. I know our bud Chris Malley and the 4th and John Crews already in Florida right now getting ready to get rowdy. So I, I don't see them having that huge home field advantage that Vegas gives them the three points for. So I'm, I'm all for it. Birds by, by one. Book it. Let's go.
1: Let's go, baby. I love it.
0: Oh, yeah. So... Look, that's that's a playoffs, man. We'll see you next week for the next playoff episode against the Green Bay Packers. That's a guarantee. And some people are asking me, like, "Oh, who are they most likely to face if they win this round?" It's not who are they, like if they win this round, they are facing the yep. Packers. We're going to talk a lot about the run game again when when they beat the Bucks this week. Uh, but definitely follow us on Talking Two and Five, Talking Without a G, uh, Facebook, Twitter most of our uh, our contents on those two social media sites to get all the stuff before we get live we're going to be tweeting during the game after the game all week leading up to the packers game no that's not jinxing it that's just a lock let's go birds all the way birds by a million birds in the bowl that's it we're out of here